Oh Lord, we back. Oh Lord, we recording. Let me just have a sip of tea first. <sighs> what? Man's got to have his tea. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome back to Escaping Kasturbarus, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich and I'm joined by my ever-constant companion through life, through love and through the line of every buffet we see. It's Amy. <laughs> I was going to say that started off gross and then it got better. <laughs> gross because I was saying I loved you. I mean... I take personal offence to that. But then the buffet came along and everything was fine. <laughs> If you're ever dating Amy, which I hope you're not. No, me too. uh, (laughs) We started this off well. Uh, Please be aware that uh, she will be ahead of you in the line for the buffet. Do not get in the way of Amy and a buffet. There will be food left behind me. We're literally like 30 (laughs) seconds into this reboot and we're already off track talking about a buffet. Because fat lot of good we are. Welcome welcome back to Escaping Kostoberus. It has been nearly six months Oof. Since our last episode. What was it? December the 6th? December the 3rd, I think it was, we released the the last episode. It has been a, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty while. And first of all, thank you to all the messages. Yeah, we've had a lot, like, so many people like, um, is the podcast coming back soon? And I went on the YouTube comments a little while ago and it was kind of like, um, does anybody know what's, I think, I can't remember who commented it, but it was like, does anybody know what happened to this? Because they recorded this and then they just kind of dropped off and it's like, oh yeah, I'm really sorry we are coming back, I promise, we've just got a lot going on. Um, so I think I did actually reply to that comment and I was just like, I swear we are coming back, just like, please stick with us. Um, Stick with us over six damn months. (laughs) Yeah, it's been busy. Uh, we moved house. Yeah. Um, so that was a thing that took us like a good two months to do. So that was fun. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's Christmas was first. So that was great. <laughs> and then it's just been a very, very busy period of our lives. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. Chris- I mean, yeah, Christmas, Christmas, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd planned to uh, record. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd established our own little schedule of recording. The I was next like, if we record episodes, here, here, and here, then we, we can, can cover release here, them here, 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 and here. So yeah. then we can come back after Christmas and everything will be fine. But all of that kind of fell apart. And mm. I think, obviously, as Amy said, we got a lot of messages, a lot of tweets, a lot of uh, Twitter DMs, Instagram DMs as well. Yeah, I asking, got Instagram DMs. Asking where the podcast is. I'm sure, as Amy said, there's, there's comments on the YouTube channel, which. Uh, in case you do or don't know, I don't look at anymore. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even subs- I'm not even subscribed to it. If I'm perfectly honest with <laughs> Me you, the lol. <laughs> um, because the 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 big the big thing, which some people do know, some people don't. I think the the gaming channel um, audience know it probably better than the Who Culture channel. Mm-hmm. But back in February, I left What's Culture. It had been honestly a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um. First things first, this podcast is ours now. Yeah. This is entirely ours, which is great, which is how we always wanted it to be. Um, We, even back in the the Escaping Custoberous A Who Culture podcast days, 
Um, this podcast was produced, recorded, produced entirely by me and Amy with our own equipment, on our own time, with our own software, our own effort. Yeah. Went it into it. Purely hosted on the yeah. On the it was Culture it was YouTube published channel. by by What Culture, which is just it's just how things are with had with what culture be. with how, how things had to be i'm not going to go into like super detail now but uh, to sort of plug a uh, fellow former what culture host uh, if you check out rach's youtube channel don't rage quit um she did a whole video about the the, the late 2019 twitch debacle which uh, mm-hmm. i think there are people who listen to this podcast who do watch me on twitch twitch.tv slash rich's live by the way Plug, 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 plug. Um, well, who, who already, plug who already like know all now. of this? I'm, as I said, I'm not going to go into masses of detail about it right now because it's not relevant. Um, but Rach did a video all about that whole sort of outside personal project stuff and how that sits with the What Culture Management, which is basically not well. So we If you produced, want to know that, go watch us. Yeah, <laughs> we produced EK all by ourselves. It was just taken by What Culture and published by them. We got no. Um, financial kickback from it not that that's no, not that all. that's a motivating factor it's not at all no no um, no. but it was a, a it's, point it's, it's that the, was kind of like you know it's it's the um what's the word it's completely principle. the principle yeah it's the principle <laughs> of it that was like there yeah. and then obviously you know because i you know i'm not i'm not here to slander what culture i won't do that even though i'm not contractually obligated to not say stuff about them or whatever you, you just don't do it and it's and at no. the end of the day it's not relevant but quite frankly i was not happy where i was mm-hmm. amy can very much vouch for this hadn't been happy for a long time <laughs> <laughs> um and i spent like end because end of 2019 the whole twitch debacle that was the sort of that was a that was a nail in a coffin for me and that begun my i want to move on from here i want to move forward um something that what is not going to get me Mm-hmm. And then obviously 2020 rolled around and COVID happened. Yay. So the job market just dried up and there was like nothing for the vast majority of 2019, uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. So that sucked. So I was stuck doing what I was doing. And funnily enough, Who Culture launched in May of 2020, yeah. as did Escaping Costebris, um, which we'd wanted to do anyway prior to Who Culture launching. But again, we weren't really allowed to do it without like mm-hmm. just doing it completely on the DL, which would seem pointless, I guess, for doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I also lost my job, lol. Yeah, that was fun, uh, wasn't it? So that was, I mean, not that I cared because I worked for awful people, lol. <laughs> um, so it was actually a bonus for me. But then I went and, you know, had to get a new job. And obviously that like sort of kicked us up the ass a little bit. Yeah. It was like, oh, good. <laughs> so the, the, mo- the motivation for recording EK just kind of fell off. Like... I, you know, I'm someone who doesn't let my mental health affect my work. I'm, I seem to be quite good at bottling it up and putting it to one side when it's good not. Good being a operative word. You don't yeah, really want to be when good it's at not, that. <laughs> when it's not, when it shouldn't be taking principle. It, it wasn't allowed to take principle. Mm-hmm. The, the content of principle first, my mental health came second, or at least that's very much how it felt. Mm-hmm. So we got to five o'clock every day. I would close Slack and it would all come rushing back. Um, to which was a little bit different because as much as, Again, watch Rachel's video, the grand scheme of things. It was still owned by What Culture, but it didn't feel like it. EK was different. Mm-hmm. Hence why EK was suffering from just being ignored by us or being pushed away. Oh, we, it wasn't oh. so much that we ignored it because we were so conscious of how, like, how long we'd left it. And I kept saying, oh, yeah. like, we both kept saying, like, should we try and record it? Should we do this? Should we do that? And it was just like, we wanted to. We really did want to. But at the same time, we were also like, why are we putting in all this effort 
and on our own time with our own equipment with our own like free will to get nothing in return for it and we were like honestly it just it did not even anything in return but just for the satisfaction of knowing that like we were putting our effort into something that would be like i know that it was appreciated by the fans and again like that was the thing that was the thing that kept us going for it it was it was how much you guys have enjoyed it and how much you guys missed it you know which is we just but there was all that other stuff annoyingly sometimes gets in the way like, we just didn't want to be putting all that effort into um, something that somebody was basically taking from us, essentially. So it all kind of fell apart and it all stopped. But as said, I tried and tried and tried. And then come 2021, New Year ticked over. And it was like, right, let's let's get back on the let's get back on the horse. Let's get EK back up and running because, you know, God knows how long I'm going to be sitting in this sort of... Uh, Stagnancy. Th- th- yeah, just this... That's not this, a word, this, but... this, Ishy, iffy position that I'm in, and but and and first day back in 2021, and it all just came flooding back, and my Twitch stopped for a month. Ek mm-hmm. remained underground for Dead. another for another couple of months, <laughs> um, and and then February came around, and all of my job hunting came to fruition, and now I am with the guys at Traction. T-R-A-X-I-O-N. Traction.gg. Traction.gg. So if you like it, I'm still doing content creation. I'm still on YouTube, still doing gaming videos, but they are specifically for racing. And it's been really, really good. It's been it's been the win that I sorely, sorely needed. And it's amazing how much Honestly, of, a, of a weight feels like it's been lifted the change, off my, off my I shoulders. I can't even explain to you the change that I've seen you go through since you've got a new job. Like, it could not have come suit like you know honestly it was just the the sort of perfect package that you yeah. needed really Every, to genuinely just... everything got better mm-hmm. like, like the, the, and, the, the change was drastic and as said that's it's not not here to bash on on what culture because there are still people who are phenomenal who work there who i miss mm-hmm. greatly working with every day yeah um, nothing against the staff at nothing all. against them but I needed to move on. I needed to get out of a of a of a, of a place that, an, that unfortunately made me very depressed. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. it was it was very very hard to continue, as said, to keep all of that that negativity that was hovering around my my career, my my career choices, that parts of my life decisions I'd made were being affected by this this just this crappy aura floating mm-hmm. around my life and it it literally it genuinely was like somebody opened a window and every single wisp breeze. every single wisp of gross fart smell just went just <laughs> gone and it's everything is so much better now so what a euphemism i know I, it always comes down whenever it always comes down to fart jokes let's face it um <laughs> I mean, obviously. So, but yeah, so then obviously we moved yeah we moved that we both got like new the jobs entirety of march and april and then we moved at the start of April, so we've been in our new place a month, and it took us a bit of time to obviously get settled, as I'm sure any yeah. of you know who have moved, like the packing and the unpacking takes forever. I mean, luckily we had a lovely team of parents at our disposal <laughs> who were able to come down and help us move in. Um, but yeah, and then obviously over the last month, I've been going now through like not job troubles but like the job that i took it's been moved, a rocky start for you it wasn't great like the job that i had it wasn't awful but it also just wasn't for me so i've changed jobs and i start a new job tomorrow and just so oh, everything yeah. has just been really really busy um but we've finally got to a point now where Ooh. we've been in the house a month excuse me sorry that was my phone going <laughs> off to check my covid test 
I took, I saw, I took a COVID test just before the, uh, the podcast, and I'm very pleased to say it's negative. Thank God. Just um, making sure. But yeah, so like we've got to a point now where we've moved in. We've been here about a month. We're finally sort of settled into a routine, and we decided, do you know what? It's been we five We should probably months. do this. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're settled, how about we try and record the podcast again? So, so here we are. <laughs> hello. Welcome back to Escaping Gustavus. It is wonderful to be back. As you might have noticed, I realise I probably should have said this at the beginning, right at the oh, beginning, yeah. but we have very important things to get to. Um, <laughs> we are in an entirely new place. Like the actual podcast itself, as you can probably see if you're listening to this on launch on May the 14th, um, you'll see that there's nothing else here. This is a completely fresh uh platform for ek because obviously the previous one was owned by what culture they still have that uh, all the old episodes will remain on there i do not have the ability to re-upload them because as said as much as we produced it entirely ourselves it is technically what culture property but i was allowed and i will i'll say this on the podcast right now just to just to, to potentially flatten out any potential problems not that i think there will be but i did speak to the management of what culture on my like one of my penultimate days at the company and said can i take escaping Casteberus the name with me to continue the podcast when i'm gone and they said yes yeah they let us have it they didn't really seem to care the only thing that they said was if people search for it, it'll probably go to What Culture first, which is yeah, it was a given. Fine. Um because, because yeah, whatever. We're in a new place, it's a new new start to the podcast. It's the reboot, the quasi reboot of Escaping Disturberus. <laughs> Although we will be continuing on from where we left off. Yeah, which we was, won't be re recording everything because Yeah, we're not gonna start balls. again. Um <laughs> So we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be continuing with Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel from next mm-hmm. week. Uh, we decided during the recording of series one that we would do two parters as a single episode because when we did like, um, it was more like the Empty Child Doctor Dances, we covered mm-hmm. so much stuff in Empty Child. And when it came to Doctor Dances, we'd basically Didn't already really covered. We'd covered all the characterization and the setting and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. We'd done all of that. So it felt it like Doctor to... Dances had to be like sort of. We had to sort of uh, bloat it to try and get it over yeah. an hour because we it obviously try and to record to an hour. Out an hour. Yeah, we, we tried to do an hour worth. So we decided, right, we're going to do uh, one episode for two parts. So the ne- next week's episode will be Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. Uh, this week, as you can see by the title of the podcast, this is called Previously on Escaping Gustavus. And not only are we giving you a, a rundown as to what happened, where we've been, um, and I, I hope we've cleared that up for you. Um, again, but if you thank have any you. questions. Yeah. Like, please don't hesitate to tweet us. You can tweet us at Castapod. We Castapod. have a Twitter account. We have a Twitter account. A crit. A crit. A crit. Shut up. A crit. <laughs> Shut yes, up. Yes, we have a Twitter account. At Castapod. Yeah. Could I mean actually I made that I made that Twitter account when we started the podcast. I just never yeah, used ages it. Ago. Um, um, so, yeah, so yeah, at Castapod. K A S T E R P O D. Castapod. So you can tweet, tweet you can tweet me. It. Or tweet Rich. I would say tweet, or tweet Rich, but he's... Or tweet hashtag Castapod, whatever. Or we can all find it. Or hashtag Escaping Castaberus or like, something or like that. I like, just figured that Castapod would be easier because like Castapod people... Castapod would be You know, easier. people have tweeted Escaping Castaberus and spelt it wrong, uh, but thankfully tweeted the tweeted like me in it as well, so I still saw mm-hmm. it. So I figured Castapod would be easier for people to spell because Escaping Castaberus yeah, isn't exactly the most... It's not, this which is not memorable. Spell. It's just not very easy to spell. No. Um, so yeah, we hope we cleared that up for you. Again, thank you so much for bearing with us. All of the tweets, all of the messages, everything, it means a huge amount to us. And that genuinely is what kept us going with this. And yeah, they I are said, so lovely. As much as we're, we're publishing this ourselves through Anchor, um, 
we're not expecting to get any financial return from this. We're not looking to. But no, if that, that opportunity being open does make the whole thing feel very different, it makes it feel like it's ours, mm-hmm. which it is, which is great. So thank you for all again for bearing with us. Any questions about what's going on, feel free to tweet us at Castapod. Um, but that should sort of catch you up in terms of the, the, the real life side of where yeah, the life EK situation. has been and where we are now. So what we're going to do now, we've still got a good you know 40 minutes odd left of this podcast to record. Um, what we thought we'd do, as the title suggests, previously on Escaping Costebras, we're going to run down every episode of the series we've watched so far and just sort of give our quick thoughts. Because mm-hmm. as much as the previous episode, the original run of EK is still available... And as far as I'm aware, will remain available. I don't see why what culture would bin it off. Where can if this is if by the way if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you're like oh my god we're on Rise of Cybermen and Age of Steel um, I miss everything. Can- people go and listened to the previous stuff. Well, if you searched for Escaping Custerberus on whatever platform you're listening on, uh, Anchor is uh, owned by Spotify, so Spotify is going to be the, the most direct place it goes on to. I'm pretty certain Anchor publishes to basically every podcast platform i'm very quickly just going to check but right. whatever platform you're on uh, you can just search for escaping Custerberus and it should come up with the original run the artwork is different so it will mm-hmm. differentiate itself from uh the previous run um but and it is all still there it is also, it is also on youtube on the who culture yeah. youtube channel that is all still there um, you might have to go digging through the whole. Yeah, you'll have to go digging YouTube through the channel. Side. There should be there should be um, a playlist mm-hmm. of uh, the videos together. I will be saying. I, I mean, this might change. I don't know yet. Um, the, but there's not going to be YouTube versions of this podcast because no, it's just going to be audio. As much as it's like just a, a almost a single screen, I can't just do a boring old image. I have to do something interesting with it, which meant that exporting a podcast took forever. Whereas an audio podcast is like that so we're sticking it to just audio but if you really 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 want it to be on youtube as well then tweet us at castapod and i'm sure i could sort something out Mm -hmm. um but it might just be a black screen audio file (laughs) yeah uh apparently anchor will distribute to spotify apple breaker castbox google overcast pocketcasts radio public and google podcast is the one place that uh EK didn't end up on before, I think, oh. which a lot of people were saying, I want to see it on Google. But yeah, Spotify, Apple, Google, well, they're, the, they're the kind of big ones. So it's going to be hopefully cool. in every way you'd like it. Um, but have a have a search on your uh, whatever platform of choice you use for podcasts and you might be able to find the original run of EK, which goes all the way up to Girl in the Fireplace in series two. Was that the last one we did? That was the last one we did. Jesus. Yeah. So what we're going to do today, if you either have listened to all of those previous episodes and just want catching up or you have and you either can't be bothered to go back and listen to all of them or you don't want to because it's hosted by a platform that we're not associated with anymore that's completely fine we're going to basically go through the series so far and recap what we thought of them and little bits and pieces obviously we're not going to go massively in depth like we did no, on those episodes we could be here for like eight hours <laughs> and half the time i can't even remember what we said on those Not episodes but we're going to give you guys a quick rundown of it everything was all obviously very insightful from rose up to girl <laughs> in the fireplace and that'll be this week's episode and then next week we'll be back with school no not school reunion rise of side men i was looking at my list of reunion we did a school reunion. I was going to say. Oh, well, yeah, of course we did. We did, we did go yeah. in five layers, so we did the school reunion. So, Duh. 
if uh, if that's all you wanted to hear this week and you don't necessarily need to hear the uh, the big recap of what we've of what we've thought so far then thanks for listening we'll see you next week yeah but, bye um, but other- <laughs> yeah bye but uh, otherwise series one episode one 26th of march 2005 rose i mean what is there not like i'm so lost as to what in, we term- in say terms about of a, in terms of a series reboot after what was it 11 years off the air technically technically 11 years if you no, not 11 years nine years sorry 1996 i had 1994 in my head the 1996 tv movie mm. or technically what would it be uh 50, what was it, 16 years 16 years off the air if you count 1989 um as far as a a, a reboot uh premiere almost like a pilot episode goes mm. rose is incredibly solid yeah it's a, a one of the better ones out there for of like the se- a of series openers episode. yeah i think for like just a pilot episode in general for like tv series because most pilot episodes are kind of like a bit rough around the edges a bit taped together a bit kind of like oh is this really how the show is going to continue but this one yeah. just kind of hits the ground running like straight out of the gate they basically just went yeah we know it's kind of the pilot episode but we're going to make it as if we're going to make the yeah. rest of this series russell and was pulling just... no punches with that one yeah nah it was uh it was i mean in as series openers go as well for doctor who in general i'd say it's up there too it's it's very solid i mean because obviously mm-hmm. you've it obviously introduced eccleston as the new doctor which when we get to the the quick recap of series one in general i mean most of you already know my thoughts on eccleston he is my favorite he is the best don't at me um <laughs> <laughs> it brought in the new uh the new law of what happened in those wilderness years because there was the whole mm-hmm. time war thing the last of the time laws that's the first time we heard of that um and we, but we were also given that glimpse of what came before with obviously the blue box motif. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> leaving us on the edge with revealing the innards of the TARDIS, which yes. we have every time the TARDIS changes. They always leave it until... It was about halfway through the episode that it mm-hmm. happens, or two-thirds of the way through Rose. Um, but they also brought back the Autons as like yes. a, that familiarity for people familiarity who have come the from viewers. the classic series. Yeah, Yeah, and then like sort of a brand new for the like the youngsters like us yeah exactly um, like we had also like, i just want to go back ever so slightly speaking of eccleston is your favorite you just reminded me somebody on youtube i just need to pull this comment up was like does anybody find it funny how now that eccleston's finished and they're on to david the podcast has stopped i was like please can <laughs> just not i was like yes because even... i'm i just i dislike every doctor since eccleston i was like incredibly. don't chat to me because that's not re- that's not the reason yeah. it stopped, so and hopefully... I had to really <laughs> refrain from commenting back, just being like, wah, 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 wah. yeah. It's like that's that's why it's not because I I dislike any other Doctor. There's no Doctor I dislike of New Who. Um, there's actually none of New of and old. Let's Who. be there's... honest. If there's anybody I'm going to simp over more, it's going to be Tennant. Exactly. I simp over <laughs> Eccleston. Amy simps over Tennant. We'll both be like, yeah, cool for for Matt Smith, and then I'll probably start simping again for Matt Smith. It's okay. I don't mind Matt Smith actually. But we'll we'll, like... we'll get to that point. He's good. But yeah, Rose is an incredibly solid series opener. Bit wobbly CGI, but that's what you get with 2005 2005. TV CGI. It'll still never be as bad as Once Upon a Time Series 1. Once Upon a Time. (laughs) I will always refer back to Once Upon a Time Series 1. Not even Series 1. Series 2. Series (laughs) 3. Series 4. How many series of it were there? Six? Series 5? Oh, God. (laughs) All of them. All of them were trash, but that's the beauty of Once Upon a Time. (laughs) End of the world. 2nd of April. We're going to the future, to the year 5.5 slash Apple slash 26. I remember that. such a nerd. I know. 
I'm a walking transcript of series one. I hope everybody realises that when we do this podcast, I'm the one who's there, like, analysing the characters and analysing the rich is like, I'm the nerd with the I'm just, facts. I'm just flexing <laughs> all of my all of my facts. Yeah. And I'm literally like, oh, it was like this year or something. And Rich's like, actually, it was like 1989. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> you do that. You sit in the corner and you be my fact-like sheet. And I'm, li- I'm literally Richard Osman <laughs> on the table to the side of... Uh, Alexander Armstrong. With this little piece of paper, like yeah, I've got, my, I've got my laptop open with all my pictures of Dave, a bit my Photoshop pictures of Christopher Eccleston shirtless. Um, yeah, you would. So we want to make her playing um, the Cassandra. wonderful bitchy trampoline that is Cassandra, yes. and we get to see something quite. It is <laughs> No, that's not. That's not. You're thinking of the box of Balhoon. Am I? Yeah, Banakafalatus from Voyage of the Damned. He's the red spiky boy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's? The Mox of Balhoon. The blue, the, 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 no, the, the little blue dude who right. gets fried in his chair towards the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I give you the gift of bodily saliva. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yum. Mox of Balhoon. You were Thank close. You. I was. Um, At least it was a Doctor Who character. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He didn't turn around and go, oh my God, it's Pikachu. That would have been... Anyway, huh? moving on. I, I like and I, I I love End of the World. Um, the the fact that Rose gets more of a feeling as to what it's going to be like, because the Doctor does mm-hmm. warn her at the end of Rose, like it's going to be dangerous, and she's like, I don't care, I'm coming anyway, and she almost gets killed by Cassandra yeah. because Cassandra's a bitchy trampoline, I said. Um, and then she's like, Oh shit, I didn't realize it'd be this dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, we also have the scene between the Doctor and. Jabe, Jabe, yeah, in the uh, in the underbelly of platform one. I was thinking, mm-hmm. no, Pla- yeah, platform one, satellite five. God damn it, right. series one, and your lack of other planets. Um, <laughs> yeah, where she realizes who he is, and we get a little bit of that extra taste as to what on earth happened in the wilderness years, and we get to see Eccleston tear up mm-hmm. at the knowledge of what happened, and we as the viewer. If you're new to the series, are completely in the dark, and I love that scene so much. Yes, yeah, that is. Uh, it's very kind of like hard hitting, which I think is what Russell T Davies really instilled in like the new Doctors was that like emotional weight. It's which that I think darkness. actually really works for the character. It's the darkness of series one and the darkness of nine that that always brings me back to this series and this Doctor mm-hmm. because I think. Capaldi was the next best in terms of how to bring out that angry, super dark side of the Doctor. Tennant did it very well. Matt Smith, unfortunately for me, didn't land it as well. There were moments where he got angry yeah. that he sounded like Bubbles Devere from Little Britain. Um, <laughs> the Asylum of the Daleks, and I will bring this up when we get to Series 7. You know when he goes, at long last, here, here I, am. I am. He sounds yeah. like Matt Lucas playing Bubbles Devere in Little Britain. <laughs> and now you will never be able to unhear it. That's annoyingly the only thing that ever came to mind when Matt Smith got angry. Wow. Uh, and Jodie will get to, because Jodie had some brilliant moments of anger, and mm-hmm. then there's just the rest. Shit. Like, rubbish. Can you stop swearing, Amy? <laughs> For sorry. goodness sake. I set this podcast to clean on anger. You keep swearing. I literally said to you the other day, as long as we avoid swearing, we're fine. <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> Can't get. I need a new host. Please apply. No, uh, no. Send your CV to at Castapod on Twitter. No, please don't. And I will consider you for a spot on this We've podcast. We've only been back for one, like not even half an episode. We're halfway through episode me. zero, and I've already fired her. 
<laughs> you can't fire me. It's 2019, long. <laughs> Oh, this is going downhill. But yeah, End of the World was really good. Production value as well, because the vast majority of it is practical. Mm-hmm. It's only really the establishing shots that are 3D and CGI, and they're actually pretty solid. Apparently, if I remember rightly, the vast majority of the CGI budget went on episode two, yeah, which is I funny. Be but yeah, we well, get the, that. Well, the, the Reaper monsters from uh, Father's Day. Was it Father's Day? The Reapers. Yeah, the Reapers look pretty good. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah, but that's arguably that's the only CGI they had to put in it. Because mm. the rest of it was incredibly grounded. But we'll get yeah. to that. So yeah, End of the World was also good. That's probably how it's gonna how this whole uh, rundown of series one's gonna sound. It's good. It's good. It's, it's good. good. It's really good. <laughs> Unquiet Dead very quickly. Incredibly oh, yeah. dark. I mean like that was one of the ones that I sort of like Unquiet when Dead you mention is... it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing. But also it... it's really it's good when you watch it, but then I was kinda like, Oh yeah, that's a thing. Is that where we meet Gwen? Gwyneth. That is when we meet Gwyneth, uh, Eve Miles, Gwyneth, before she yeah. played uh, Gwen, Gwen Cooper <laughs> uh, in Torchwood. Um, Unquiet Dead was good. It's very dark. You've got um, Matey playing uh, Charles Dickens. Matey playing Matey. Good God, I can't remember what his name is. Simon Callow. Wasn't he the Charles Dickens enthusiast? Yes, he is the Charles Dickens enthusiast. And he reprises him in The Wedding of River Song in series six. For a very brief cameo, uh, back as Dickens, but he's he's fantastic as it, and I yeah. I did I did quite enjoy the Unquiet Dead again, similar to um, End of the World. There's that extra little tease as to what happened. The I don't know whether it's the first mention of the Time War. No, I think the Doctor mentions it at the end of End of the World. You know when they go back to Earth and Rose is like, "I want chips." Oh, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't even spoken about Rose yet. Good God, Billy Piper. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, just lol. Fantastic. I love Rose. Yeah, but then we I think everybody knows that she's just like great. So yeah. we don't really need to sort of like be like, oh yeah, like Billy Piper's great in this, Billy Piper's great in this one too. Also, and this one. And this Unquiet one. Dead was Mark Gatiss's debut writing for, for Doctor Who. Oh, right. I think for a for a starting episode for him, it was very good. I think he's I think to be honest, for Mark Gatiss episodes of Doctor Who in general, it's quite good. It's quite good. There are unfortunately there are some some Duffers. wobbles from Mark Gatiss, which again we'll get to once we get to the later series. It's more than Mark. I think he only did. He's on one. Uh, he, did the... he did one episode in series one, one in series the, the two. Lazarus is it the Lazarus project? He didn't write that. Oh, he's, he's in, it, in it, but he didn't write it. I'm pretty certain he didn't. It's I a series know. three episode, isn't it? No, he didn't write it. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, he did one episode in series one, one in series two, and then he didn't come back until series five, and that was Victory of the Daleks. The less said about that, the better. Great. Uh, yay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a solid outing from Mark Gatiss and Unquiet Dead. I think it's it's one of the episodes in series one that's a bit overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, episodes that aren't necessarily as overlooked. Aliens of London, World War Three. Oh, is that that soon? That's there. Yeah, it's episode four and five. This is where I think, looking at the rest of the episodes, this is what I would consider to be the lowest point of series one. But that lowest point isn't exactly low. No, see, I... hmm, It's a weird one because personally, I would say that... um, I think most people would say that Boomtown is probably the lowest point. We'll um, get to Boomtown. Boomtown whole... is not the lowest point by yeah, far. Yeah, I know. See, that's what I was sort of like, because I think most people would say in terms of like actual episode content, Boomtown is like the sort of less like... It's because it's less, it's mm-hmm. less bombastic. It's less 
almost yeah. alien as much as it is but, but again like, we'll, we'll cover aliens that aliens of london world war three i think you'd probably yeah i think i'd probably agree in saying that if you've got a fly flying around i have a you. fly flying around my my <laughs> face I, sorry i just saw, just sees me wafting around <laughs> Rachel's screen wafting his hand i saw I like, it i saw on? it coming across the wall as we started the podcast and i thought please don't be a spider no it's not a spider oh. it's just a bug it's just been flying around me anyway right um yeah i think i would agree and say that aliens of london world war three is probably like not the yeah, like you said, not a low point. It's a low. It's, it's the lowest it's, point of the series, but it's like it's like the worst. It's not of a low point. Good bunch. There is like, there have been episodes far worse mm-hmm. than Aliens under the Bubble far, Three in far, far worse. worse in modern Doctor <laughs> Who. I think because I think we we said when we did this the the, the general plot the idea is really it, it's quite scary Sim- infiltration. Mm. Um, it's like a political episode as well. Yeah, not only because it takes place in Downing Street, but there's some other bits I and pieces it to it and then it's the idea of nuking the earth to sell chunks of rock for the highest profit this Slovena they're quite scary especially since they can become um anyone sort provided of, they're yeah. provided they're on the heavier side i think the thing that lets it down is the odd humor between the Slovene family themselves especially mm-hmm. the guy who becomes acting prime minister and the general like their dynamic on screen's a bit strange as much as they're yeah. meant to be brothers but it's also just all the fart jokes and mm-hmm. trust me i love a good fart joke but in doctor who they don't land as well it does once or twice but like we sort of said at the time of recording once you've got past like the first two fart jokes it gets a little bit old very quickly if do you mind not farting while i'm saving the world is probably the only good fart joke in that episode i can think yeah. of off the top other of than that it's kind of like but the rest of it is, is solid but it is unfortunately dragged down by that mm-hmm. what isn't dragged down is the best episode of series one and probably in my opinion the best episode of doctor who of the modern era dalek oh it was dalek next see this is is what i mean i don't remember the order of these things rich just goes oh it's this 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 and i'm like oh yeah okay um (laughs) but dalek dalek is astonishing it It is is, i'd say easily the best episode best episode of series series one and if you put it up against Blink, I would personally take Dalek over Blink for the best episode of the modern era. For me personally, I think mm. overall, if, I, if for example, at my old job, if I were writing a list on the best episodes of New Who, I would say Blink would be number one for a more generalised list. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, Dalek beats Blink. Dalek is incredible. Yeah. Based on based on Jubilee, that was written by Robert Shearman for Big Finish, which is also fantastic. But this one is sort of trimmed down and it's a lot darker it's a lot heavier and it also reintroduces the daleks in such a strong fashion just by going here's one dalek drone just one nothing special about it it just managed to get out of the time war through pure coincidence and here it is wreaking havoc on a base yeah and that's and all I they honestly, need to do yeah i think that's the beauty of it because it shows you the devastation that can come from one whereas i think when you see them on such a large scale in some of like <clears throat> the, the later, later series it can kind of lose that impact um, mm-hmm. because there's so many of them you're kind of a bit like oh great like it's obviously if you're outnumbered by like bloody chickens you're going to be outnumbered aren't you like do you know yeah. what i mean it's not like they're they seem that like ferocious then because i mean but once you've got just one on its own and you see the kind of way it it uses the intuitive like methods to start killing people that's when you're kind of like oh oh well this is oh no (laughs) yeah but dalek is a is a claustrophobic terrifying masterpiece and i Mm -hmm. absolutely love it and that's probably all there is to say on it apart from the fact we get to meet adam mitchell who follows us into the long game asshole which is another 
it's another sort of inverted commas low point for series one again it's not a bad episode by any stretch it's got simon pegg in it simon pegg improves anything and everything he touches long game is the jagrafess on satellite five yes right yeah because my brain was like huh which one's that it's one of those episodes that you kind of have to just go with what the villain is trying to do it all Mm -hmm. takes place in a bubble the effects of what the villain is doing it's all in a hypothetical you don't actually get to sort of see it which is something that i found i think i did mention this on the episode the long game we did last year that i wish we could have seen the shots of just some random family or something Mm -hmm. around the tv or things being shaped by misinformation which lands so as we did the episode last year it's it's incredible it lands incredibly strongly um especially in modern times was it because was it the platform one was on satellite five wasn't it no, Platform 1 is the station they watch the Earth burn in End of the World. Satellite yeah. 5 is the the TV station. So Floor which 500. one? Which one was it? That was, was brought it, up again at the end. Was it, yeah, was it the long Satellite game that five. impacted... The events, of, the events of the long game impacts Bad Wolf passing of the ways. Right, that is that's what I was, it, that's that's what I was trying was to work from, out. Yeah. Because I remember in Bad Wolf, she goes like, oh yeah, well, 99 years ago or whatever it was, that's when everything yeah. went to like... That pot, so I think so. There, that's there were there were huge ramifications for the long game, but that's just it's like the the current. It literally the was playing of, the long game. The threats, <laughs> the threats of the of the Jagrafess didn't feel as strong because you didn't get to really see the impact it actually had. Obviously, nah. putting the Doctor and Rose in shackles mm-hmm. on floor five hundred made there to be a bit more of a threat, but it didn't feel as grounded as other things did. No, nah. it didn't feel as scary not scary yeah. but like it didn't feel like it was like some of the episodes like for example dalek and uh like the empty child and that they're kind of more not realistic but like they feel they're a bit more grounded more ground yeah exactly they feel more kind of like applicable and that's uh, what Doctor this Who was kind of like was oh, it's trying a big to do. blob monster on yeah. the sailing it's a big big blob monster who manipulates the news it's like goody cool where sure. have we had that before we'll just we'll just go cough, with that cough, and again Trump. you know we, we get we get the ramifications of that episode towards the end of the series or at the end of the series i should say mm-hmm. but in the in that particular bubble it's like right okay sure great adam yeah. mitchell screws up gets left at home scares his mum with his weird forehead flashlight moving on forehead flashlight now you'll never unsee the fact it looks like a flashlight moving swiftly on to father's day i don't oh that's gross sure um i like father's day i think father's day is very overlooked but i think it's one of the better like character study episodes that we get from the series but also doctor who in general because i feel like after you get to a certain point with doctor who you don't really get many like character study Mm. episodes like you do get a couple obviously i can't think of any off the top of my head because i'm not a walking encyclopedia amy's choice yeah well amy's choice is uh, amy's choice is amazing yeah i mean i know like amy's choice is just like it's if anybody says what's your favorite episode of doctor who i usually say amy's choice um yeah because it's phenomenal but anyway um so i feel like it the, the the russell t davies era of doctor who had like that kind of weighted like you get to know the characters like mm-hmm. in a much more poignant way than you do later down the line like clara 
Who cares, mate? Like, did we ever do anything? Did we ever study her? No. Who cares? Uh, like, cause it's like something we did actually forget to mention about Aliens of London World War Three is the fact we get more time with Jackie and Mickey. Mm-hmm. The less said about Noel Clark right now, the better. Yeah, but like, we're not going to go into we that. Get to, we get to see more. We, we see more of the family ramifications of travelling with the Doctor, which we I think we saw very brief things of in the old series but it became way more imperative in this series and father's day continued that idea of because we'd heard all about pete tyler and they managed to work in this fantastic you know paul cornell managed to work this incredible script into this Uh this series to go back and explore the life that that pete tyler led and the life that rose could have had and the, ramic- the ramifications of time travel, again, it is a good place to say to people, look, if you're new to this whole time travel in fiction debacle, here's what you can and can't do. Yeah. If you've never seen the time traveling toaster episode of The Simpsons, like, <laughs> here's, this is basically it. Um, and yeah, it leans into a very relationship heavy episode, a character study of Pete Tyler, a character study of Rose. And also a character study of the Doctor, mm-hmm. of when he gets annoyed at Rose. You know, he says, I picked up another stupid ape. Like, mm. and she's like, it's just one guy. What difference does it make? And obviously the Reapers rock up and destroy everything inside the wound. The less said about the fact that they don't show up at every single paradox, the better. But that's that's Doctor Who, that's TV yeah, for you. It'd be boring. You, you it would, I would, would say you off. can't keep reusing the same enemies, it, but cough, cough, Daleks, cough, cough, Cybermen, cough, cough, Weeping Angels. But anyway, the less said about that, the better. It's more than that. It locks off a story beat of a paradox. Like it yeah. would just, it would stop that from working entirely, which I can completely understand. But Father's mm-hmm. Day is along with the Unquiet Dead to some extent, and mostly Boomtown that get very overlooked in, in yeah. series one. No, I next like up, it. Next up, the Empty Child and the Doctor dances. The two parts that gave us all nightmares as kids. No, gave you nightmares. Gave me kids. nightmares as, kid, I as a kid. Did not. Well, I don't remember ever being super kind of like. We see. I'm the same. This. I'm the same with Weeping Angels. I remember watching Blink and loving it, but not getting scared by them. But the Empty no. Child terrified me. We are obviously opposite. We are on that cut one. from different cloth in because that I regard. Because I actually remember hiding behind a cushion with the. But Weeping a lot Angels. of the time, a lot of the time, we click on our thoughts on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um. But obviously not for scariest episodes, but Empty Child Doctor Dances not only introduces Captain Jack Harkness, John Barrowman, which also, at the moment, maybe a less said the better because of the Noel mm-hmm. Clark stuff. Anyway, um, that's not what we're talking about on this podcast at all. No. Um, but um, he gets introduced. We have this horrifying uh, gas mask zombie thing going on, which is just, it's so scary. I This was St- this is Stephen Moffat, apart from Blink, at his best like this is like Stephen Moffat Moffat. yeah um and I I adore going back to the empty child obviously it doesn't it doesn't obviously scare me but Dr Constantine transforming is still yeah so unnerving watching it back when we did this rewatch for recording the original version of this episode was like I I makes you feel kind of I love this and I hate it because I I can appreciate how much this scared me as a kid and even now like if you if you're watching this through the first time it might take you by surprise because Doctor Who doesn't really lean into this that often when it does it works really well Mm -hmm. I watched um Night Terrors again you know the one with the doll's house oh god yeah yeah and the matey gets transformed into the peg doll oh it's horrifying but then they can also fall off it like um Halpin transforming into an ood on planet of the use it looked a yeah. bit looked a bit janky that but anyway empty child doctor dances the setting during the blitz is scary enough as it is like just that era is terrifying for mm-hmm. just the, the the realities and the horrors of war and then throwing in 
this really i i love the fact i love how moffat wrote the nanogenes into yeah existence, i was gonna say but it's this. a hospital thing and it's just doing it's it's mistaking just doing its job a human form for what jamie the mm-hmm. empty child was and how it's changing everyone it's such it's such a Clever. It's so clever because you yeah. think it's going to be some horrific, like it's 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 like not, the cut yeah, on his hand was like always oh, been infected with some horrible. Yeah, there's no, no, no there's no villain. It's, it's all just, yeah, it's all coincidence. It's all accident. But also, it, what I love about this was one of the this was one of the episodes um, that I think for Stephen Moffat works well in very small uh, chunks yeah. like this far apart because he does that kind of sherlock thing where he expects the audience to be able to work out what's going on at the same pace as the doctor despite not giving you all the information which works really well in this episode because of the kind of twist of the nanogenes being like a positive force but in like the future when Stephen moffat took over the show completely and it became like his trope of like almost turning matt smith into sherlock in some episodes it was kind of like it became really hard then to follow along with some episodes and i know i'm not the smartest person in the world but like surely you should be appealing to my level of like <laughs> smarts because if i can't understand it i mean i'm not saying i'm dumb i'm also I'm you're not dumb like, but like not dumb in the slightest but like if you i don't want to make it watch too an episode complex and not understand what's going on to the the full extent when i get to the end sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad thing and i feel like in the future Stephen moffat very much took it to the extent of like no one understands what's going on and tries to make tries to make the doctor seem incredibly clever but it also yeah. alienates the entire audience and then mm-hmm. whereas chibnall went the opposite way and spelled everything out for everyone basically all the time, made the and audience infuriating. like three-year-olds yeah and it, but, anyway anyway yeah, yeah. Moffat, no, gives, think... moffat gives you all the bits and pieces to put it together but it's done so in such a way that you don't feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't feel as clever as the Doctor to be able to work it all out. You might be able to work it all out from a fresh pair of eyes, maybe. Yeah. We, you honestly, know, we know this series too well to yeah. look at it from a completely um, unknown standpoint. A completely objective standpoint. Yeah. But I think that it's probably a good thing that he makes it like... that in this instance that you aren't as clever as the doctor and i think that is something that that treads a fine line of like the doctor being arrogant and the doctor being like it because eccleston plays the the arrogance yeah the eccleston plays the arrogance quite well he's like of course i am i'm brilliant and all that he does it in those tiny little you get it little wisps of it in his character whereas Moffat, as I'm sure you were going to say, lent into it way too much with Matt Smith and made him mm-hmm. like this this god amongst yeah. men, which yeah. is one of the things that always rubs me the wrong way about Matt Smith's Doctor. Yeah, and it's not Matt Smith's fault at all. I think not what at all. he what he played was phenomenal. Like Matt Smith as a whole, he did an excellent job. Um, also, repping the Northampton Massive, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think Eccleston plays it like Russell T. Davies' inflections here and there of like the Doctor's semi-arrogance, but also just sort of being like, I'm just a clever man. Like, there's nothing otherworldly he's about not, me. I'm just, I mean, otherworldly lol. But like... He's not patronising like Sherlock Holmes uh-huh, is. Like yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch is Sherlock who's like, those tiny little minds, how do you get around to those things? You know, uh-huh. that, those kind of lines that just, yeah, thankfully he doesn't lead into that. Moving on to what... I think we both agree is the most underrated episode of the entire series, Boomtown, mm-hmm. which I think people will always go to it for being uh, a bad episode, being the worst of the series. Or a boring episode. Or a boring episode because you've got a recurring villain or a villain that's come back, which is Blomfell Foch from Aliens of London, World War III, mm-hmm. um, Margaret. 
who comes back. There's very little sort of alieny stuff going on that you see her out of her skin i think once twice yeah. once before once at the opening of the episode and then once again in the uh the, the bathroom stall and that's mm-hmm. basically apart from seeing her arm at the end she's basically just margaret the entire way through and yeah. similar to father's day this is a character study mm-hmm. of not only blonde Fox, but more so the doctor this post time war broken doctor and how margaret compares herself to him and how mm-hmm. they're not so different I mean, personally, I think you get so... Like, Boomtown is such a sort of... I'm trying to think of the right word here, but it's got so much, like, in it that is a really good, like, little kind of sequence on its own. So, like, you've got the dinner sequence where obviously the she's trying to kill him. So and he's like good. So good. And then you've got, like, that bit right at the beginning where him... Is it? Is it? That's is that the episode where the four of them are sat in the cafe and they're all just having a laugh, and then the doctor goes, "Oh, and I was having such a, a nice day." Yeah, the entire yeah. mood changes. That like little scene on its own is fantastic. It's but nice. Just, to... it's, it's all kind of like little bits and pieces that come together to create this whole episode that don't feel disjointed, but that when you study them sort of individually, like. I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Margaret, but we've all we established uh, in our podcast I'll... episode that she is the perfect Annette Badland. That's her. The like she's the perfect person to play this role. She's phenomenal. She's just got that face that is She's she's an unquestionably. She is. She's got that face she's that's inquisitive but also like vi- like kind of semi-vile but also semi like oh. toad like is the term. It's not mm-hmm. the most it's not the most flattering term but she as you say she's perfect in this role. Speaking of people with faces that uh suit their roles Who's the woman who plays that woman in Midnight? The re- really scary woman who gets oh, who over? plays Sky. Yeah, yeah she yeah. has that. She has that crazy eyes thing. So going we, on, so, me and my sister, were sat at home watching TV the other day, and she's in an advert for a new drama or something. And I literally went to Laura. I went, "Can you think of anything except Midnight?" And she went, "No, not at all." And me, my <laughs> mum was like, "What are you chatting?" And we were, we explained. Obviously, she's in a Doctor Who episode, but she's got. I don't know whether they did her makeup differently in doctor who but she just looks like that all the time and i think the, the like... lighting was very very cold mm-hmm. in midnight which made her look a lot more ghostly but she's just but... got that look about her all the time and i, literally, I think it could I be down to association but you do have those people that just suit sort of more villainous i just roles. can't look at her face and i'm literally like she's evil she's evil <laughs> <laughs> but yeah boomtown is is massively overlooked if you if if boomtown is the episode that you've ever sort of like skipped over or just sort of never really paid much attention to go back and watch it again and really pay attention to what's going on because as amy says the dinner sequence between the doctor and blonde is just mm-hmm. amazing and the, the whole um how you see we were talking about Eccleston's eyes about how he is like I can't remember that he was like flickering. I think mean, she's like dead yeah. staring into him yeah, and yeah. he's looking from eye to eye. You can see how uncomfortable he feels because he's being shown this mirror of this, of who he is after the time mm-hmm. war, which we still don't really know about yet. We're still in the, in the dark about that. But Boomtown, you've got to go see. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Really Let's good. join up the last two because it is, it's technically a two-parter, but they do feel very separate. Uh, Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways, um, the wrap-up to Eccleston's series, The Daleks Come Back which they could have not spoiled in the next time, but I think they wanted to make sure that the first series went out with a bang, so the BBC were like, yes, this went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give you another series. I think they're already commissioned series two at this point. Um, but the Doctor finds himself... The Doctor, Rose, and Captain Jack find themselves amidst uh, very 
dangerous versions of TV shows that we know, The Weakest Link, Such uh, Big Brother, and shows. Trini and Susanna's whatever the, whatever they called How it. How to Look Good Naked, I think it was. Was it Trini and Susanna, How to Look Good Naked? I don't think it's How to Look Good Naked. It was just one of their... their I, sure? I, I've never watched Trini and Susanna. Um, I'm going to have to Google that because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was How to Look Good Naked. Or was that Gokwan? What Not to Wear. Oh, was it? What not to wear with Trini and Susanna? Good naked then. Probably, I don't know, but yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, I think so. What got one how to look good naked? (laughs) I think was what it was called. An insight into British crap TV. Um, But yeah, so I thought this was a really good end to the series. The stakes felt very high with them not knowing what was going on in the. In the in the where they were, people were being killed out of Big Brother and stuff like that, and it's like, what on earth is happening here? Um, Rose supposedly getting uh, zapped, vaporized, or zapperoonied, and then the Doctor taking over the uh, the Satellite Five. It's like I've been here before, and Linda with a Y says, "Yeah, uh, the events of the long game, as you've said, mm-hmm. triggered this, and the world is stuck in front of TV. You get zapped up to do this, and it turned out the Daleks were behind it, taking humans, turning it into into Daleks because there's one ship or a couple of ships that managed to escape the time while the Emperor going crazy and blah 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 blah. Right. So that is the that is the only thing that I feel is never quite fully, um, fully fully explained in that episode. And I know that not everything has to be fully explained, but I never made the association that the people who were zapped by this transmat beam were the ones being taken to be turned into Daleks. Like, I never made that association when I was younger. Um, and so I feel like you, I just kind of assumed that the Daleks were the Daleks, like, that they'd all just kind of not reproduced because obviously, like, yeah. they don't do that. But, like, yeah, for some reason, my brain was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's just a transporter beam. It's just a transmat beam. It's just... And then I was like, oh... <laughs> you don't get shown that harsh reality of what it is that we will get to yeah. next week with uh, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. We see the factories in motion for Cybermen. Mm-hmm. You didn't see that for this. But... I love the obviously reusing sets and reusing CGI or reusing assets for CGI with Satellite 5 you know there was I think with the amount of money they would have had to play with as much as obviously Doctor Who is a flagship television series across the entire the history of television let alone mm-hmm. the BBC they still only had finite money to play with hence why Boomtown was a very very cheap episode well, to make well here's the thing because if you compare it to like Doctor Who now for example I'm using mm. this as an example because it's the only example I can think of Eccleston's series was mostly set on Earth because that's like where Earth they and have space the stations. There are yeah. no ex. There are no new planets in series one, which, which is, is a criticism fine. of it. Which, yeah. yeah, but it's a. It's not. It's a criticism that's grounded in kind of like yeah, okay, I can see that, but also budget. Now, Doctor Who is one of the biggest TV shows in history, like you've just said, and somehow Mr. Chibnall still decides to put every single episode of series whatever it was twelve on earth come on Chibnall do even something even if we didn't know it straight away cough or from 55 cough cough anyway yeah <laughs> but like it's kind of like it. back in those days they only had the budget to be able to go right where can we film this Um, I don't know on earth like you know that that was fine because it, they made it work and they as you say they brought in the long game to be like the long game of the series which was oh yeah. this is going to serve the events for the future and then this is going to be this and this is going to be this so yeah it's not it i feel like the it, yes okay it's a criticism it might be a valid criticism but at the time they did the best with what they had 
Yeah. So. so the stakes were incredibly high because we'd already seen the Doctor against one Dalek and the anger that comes from him. I forgot to mention that. Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the oh. characterization of the Doctor changes so much in Dalek. And it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's why it's so good. It's amazing to watch. It's like, imagine the Doctor now realizing that there wasn't one Dalek left. He says at the end of Dalek, I win. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't because the Daleks are still here. Um, and they, they, they've come back. They've found a new way to keep making Daleks with, unfortunately, humans, which they did do back in the 80s. Um, and the stakes are incredibly high with them being back. He wants to use the Delta Wave to kill the Daleks. He has to take out the Earth at the same time and himself and blah, 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 blah. And then Rose comes back from Earth because the Doctor sends her away. He doesn't want her to die because he's falling in love with her. The first person to really give him any kind of attention, any kind of passion, any kind of um, uh, sympathy, almost, mm-hmm. after the Time War. Of course, he's going to fall for her. Yeah. And she comes back as the bad wolf. And that recurring thing, the bad wolf motif, came... Take, came to fruition in such a good way something that mm-hmm. russell himself didn't manage to do again yeah in the rest of his series thankfully that trope of recurring stuff has died off but yeah, i think bad wolf was, was the only so one that really landed ages. yeah that was that's my main criticism of the russell t davies era is the, mm. the recurring the, the the super important companions which did stick through the moffat era and then thankfully was was killed off um, right at the end of the Moffat era, thankfully, with Bill. But yeah, no, no, uh, it wasn't because Bill was the Bill was the super important first ever. That n- kind of. I don't of, want to spoil it if people haven't watched that. Far, kind but of, like, but that. What? But the thing about that was it wasn't teased. It wasn't. No, played no, up it upon. wasn't like an overarching So that arc, that for me doesn't was... mean it, it doesn't count towards that. But anyway, okay. okay. Um, the the. The way that they finished it up, the way that they brought back Rose as the bad wolf and all that yeah, stuff, I yeah. thought was really good. The stakes were so high. I remember watching that as a kid and I was like, oh, it was Rose yeah. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Eccleston's emotion up against the, the Daleks and also the fact that he has the, the coward or killer moment and he says coward and it's like he's nailed the Doctor. Like, mm-hmm. um, And then obviously he unfortunately left at the end of series one um, to be replaced by David Tennant and... Series two continues with Tennant and Rose. But looking back at series one, I will still stand by that I think I may be biased because it's Eccleston, but I think overall series one is the most solid of New Who. Mm, I would argue series two is on par. Series two had Love and Monsters though. Yeah, but that series was one a, didn't have love and love, love and monsters, and monsters like, was a competition episode. episode for a kid from Blue Peter. So yeah, but I feel they, like they only you can designed kind of the let that go the creature and what it does. That he didn't yeah, have any say but, in the story. What would you do with a monster who <laughs> people into its stomach? Oh, like know. you would, you can't do much with that <laughs> unless it's like a bit of a Mickey take episode. So. No. I am okay with letting Love and Monsters slide under the ground. I'm looking forward to Love and Monsters to watch it again. I want to try and find the positives in it because I think I think similar to things like Boomtown and Father's Day, I think it's going to be more of a character study into Elton mm. and the rest of Linda, but we'll get to that. But yeah, Series 1 will forever be my favourite. Eccleston mm. will forever be my favourite Doctor. Um, I if somebody else asked... ever become if somebody else ever becomes my favorite doctor, they must have done an incredible job. Yeah, I mean, I literally people go like, "Who's your favorite doctor?" and I'm like, "Oh, I don't know," because I love <laughs> Tenant, like absolutely love Tenant. But then I'm the sort of person that I'll watch 
a series and I'll be like, oh, Eccleston's so good. And then I'll watch Tenant and I'm like, oh, Tenant's so good. And then I'll watch Matt Smith and I'm like, do you know what? Matt Smith is so good. And then I'll get to Capaldi and I'll be like, do you know what? Capaldi plays the character really well for the toss she's been given script wise. And then I'll get to Jodie and I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, okay. Jodie's not like been given anything fantastic. She's been given no favours. Been given everything awful to work with. But she does a fantastic acting job. And I think that's... I feel really bad for Jodie as the first ever female Doctor because she, if she'd have been written by, say, Russell or Moffat... 100% by Russell. Yeah. He would have done her such good justice. And I'm so sad that she's not had that opportunity because she's worked with Chibnall in the past and she's like, oh, yeah, And Chibnall's done amazing things. Yeah, he's done a ma- he, the, he wrote like on other shows on other shows i mean <laughs> he wrote he wrote um he wrote 42 in series three the one where they're on the ship being like drifting into the sun and they have to answer like quiz questions to get to the front of the ship her and, and the doctor gets taken over by the sun dude burn with me and all that stuff that was chibnall do you not remember hey. that one hey. <laughs> do you not know, martha answer and the quiz questions yeah the, martha and the dude from the ship have to get to the front of it to reactivate the engines and the rate the, the way to the get devil. to the front no, it's this. It's like the 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 sentient sun that infects a dude on the ship, and he goes burn with me, and opens his visor and oh, burns people. Oh, that was yeah. Chibnall. And they have and to a good open episode. the doors, and it gives them a quiz. They have to give them quiz like, questions to do sake. it. That right. is a like that is a good episode, All and right. it's like that was Chibnall. Okay. I think that was, his, was that his first episode for Doctor Who. I think it. But, yeah, it was. But when you hand him the reins, it's just. But similar not to Moffat. Good. I mean, Moffat's Moffat's standalone episodes were all absolute. But see, I, I've, Moffat did so much of a better job than Chibnall. I would take. Moffat oh gosh, back. yeah. I, in Moffat's late days, I would take Moffat back over Chibnall. Yeah, Moffat's <laughs> later days, series series ten, I think. Series five was very good. Series ten was very good. The, there was a bit of a lot. I mean, series seven is complete dog, quite we frankly. Don't, there is some, nah. We don't talk about series seven. But um, yeah. But yeah, series one, I absolutely loved. It was such a good return to form for the mm-hmm. show. Because obviously, it, apparently, it had picked up a bit more so towards the end of the Sylvester McCoy era. Um, there were some silly bits in the middle. I know that much. Um, or I, I say I know that much. I know. <laughs> but, you know. Series one did incredibly well. I miss Eccleston, but he's coming back for Big Finish, which is so good. I'm so excited. I think the first episode, I think the first volume is out really soon. I should probably order that. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, Um, but I'm very excited. How many episodes into series two are we? So we are only one, two, three, four episodes, five episodes into series two, because first we have uh, Tenant's debut in The Christmas Invasion, Mm -hmm. which, similar to revealing the inside of a new TARDIS, Tenant's Doctor was left until like the final. The very end. We got all the time with Mickey and Rose and Jackie. I was about to say Camilla or Camille. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's it's all in the powerless state. I do and... think it's very funny, though. Like, Eccleston, uh, not Eccleston, uh, Tennant's first outing as the Doctor. I think that episode is, the humour is on point for a lot of it. Um, it's really good honestly there's there are silly things you know the the spinning christmas tree which people really don't like sometimes 
It's a Christmas yeah. episode. It's, it's going to be a bit silly. Yeah, it's Doctor like, Who. It's Russell T Davies' Doctor Who. It was a bit camp. It was a bit funny. It was a bit family. Like it was the best thing of, about it. Yeah, what you need to remember with Russell T Davies is that he upped up the egged up the campness because that's egged just up who, the campness. Yeah, that's just who he is. Um, <laughs> hashtag lunch dinner egg. Lol. Um. Oh God, God. <laughs> Lunch dinner, egg up the campness. That's a throwback. Um, we can make t-shirts now, Amy. Uh, let's not. <laughs> Who want? Nobody wants a t-shirt. Tweet us with at Castapod if you'd it. like uh, a lunch dinner egg t-shirt. No, not really. It's gonna happen. No. Um. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, I didn't mind the kind of like weird camp bits, like with the the Santas that were trying to kill you. It's kind of like yeah, okay, sure. And, um, <laughs> and Tennant's like one of his first lines is just quoting the circle of life from the Lion King. Yeah. But like, like as I think what we said about this was the fact that as soon as like Russell and David had the 10th Doctor nailed for episode mm-hmm. one, like as soon as he has the, the whiff of tea coming from the TARDIS engines and he walks out the TARDIS on the Sycorax ship, he knows who he is. He absolutely knows who the 10th Doctor is and that sticks through his entire mm-hmm. tenure even though three that series whole, of the specials. Even though that whole episode is about Tennant, like that whole last kind of section where Tennant actually comes in and like gets involved, even though that whole section is supposed to be like Tennant figuring out, like Tennant's Doctor figuring out who he is as the Doctor... Like you said, Russell T. Davies had already very much established the Doctor's character because mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I could be this or I could be this or I could be this. I don't know. But he's got that that 10 air about him, which is, like you said, sticks throughout the entirety of his run. Like, he already knows exactly who he is. And it was more like an exploration for the Doctor himself and the audience to see him go through that process of like, who am I? Rather than the Doctor... But also like, just regenerating. Yeah. Like the fact that he's out the out of it for two acts mm-hmm. goes to show that like we we as the audience, especially if you're new to the show, are being given regeneration, like 100% on a plate. This is mm-hmm. what it's like. And I don't think any... I don't think any Doctors have managed a regeneration episode that ended up being as good as this no. or like not not necessarily as good i think just the, the idea of regeneration have have managed to, to 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 put it across as well as christmas invasion did it kind not of becomes not, not saying there's bad debut episodes for doctors but like no yeah, yeah it kind of becomes that regeneration is just like a easy going process towards the end of it where they're like oh poof yeah I'm they, in I mean, obviously they can't they can't lead into life. it as heavily as they did with christmas no, invasion every single time it definitely like tenants regeneration is one of the more like oh my god this actually takes an impact whereas like Matt Smith's regeneration yeah. was just kind of like oh poof new body who's this lol off, I'm the doctor yeah. um and again with Capaldi and it just kind of gets to the point now where it's like oh good they've regenerated fantastic yeah. new doctor let's go um so I think this did this really well where it was like oh the doctor's actually out of action like and it kind of put you in that state of like peril where it's like oh god what actually happens if like the doctor's not around and then you get that fantastic scene where rose is like you're talking english and he's like i'm not talking english and she's like i yes, speak only <laughs> and he's like yeah i hear english yet yeah, me too definitely <laughs> <laughs> don't you think she looks tired moving on new earth cassandra's that wasn't back that episode was it was it that don't you think she looks tired yeah right at the end of christmas invasion after oh, uh, right, Harry Jones gets torchwood to blow up the yeah, ship yeah. oh torchwood what's that we'll find out as we progress through series two uh new earth off to the first, literally the first thing they do in series two is like you wanted a new planet here's a new planet mm-hmm. here's they new very earth much so it's still me, kind of earth but it's yeah they took the extended so. budget and went oh new planet 
<laughs> Cassandra's back in a hospital. Weird zombies. It's, it's. I think it's an all right episode. It's 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 pretty kind of squeaky clean. It's the, okay the, for the second episode of a like new yeah. series. Well, it's actually, technically, it's the first episode of series two. I mean, because Christmas Evasion is yeah. like technically it's series two, but it's sort of standalone. I sort in the of same count. way, in the same way, this is like episode zero of the reboot of this podcast. Christmas Evasion is episode zero of series two. Yeah, I kind of count kinda that as like works. the start of series two, though, because it's David rather. But than it, yeah, technically, Jackson, so. technically, the uh, the specials are or the Christmas specials are the start of the mm-hmm. next series. So. Okay, so for a first episode of series two, then, <laughs> it's, it's, right. uh, it's okay. It does the job. More of a character like... study into Cassandra, which, you know, it wasn't necessarily needed, but similar to bringing the Autons back for Rose, starting off a new Doctor rather than going completely fresh with a whole mm-hmm. new villain, they wanted that familiarity. As much as you still got Rose, it was like, hey, let's bring back the bitchy trampoline and do another episode with Zoe Wanamaker. And, you know, Cassandra is hilarious, and especially mm-hmm. seeing her move between Billy Piper and David Tennant. And oh just, my God, what an absolutely so fantastic thing. Like, honestly, I think, to be honest, because obviously there is that risk with Doctor Who where, like, the new actor comes in and you've always got that sort of, like, thing of, like, will the audience members actually like this Doctor? Will they warm to them? I think giving David Tennant that, like... Um, opportunity super camp, super to silly play, scene. yeah, to play these roles out with like, oh look, I'm a lit, like you know, like I've got a woman inside me, and all there this were kind of stuff. Offcom complaints about that, which I find hilarious. Yeah, I know. But like giving him that kind of acting like um, ability to be able to be like, oh look, play this now, play this now, play this. It gave him that like chance to be seen in as much more of a. Well, I say gave, serious Basically, gave, gave him every opportunity to show every every bit every of his range of yeah. in the space of two episodes. Mm-hmm. Which I think because he literally probably... goes from because he literally goes from the whole um, you know oh, I'm a man yum to the whole give her back to me and it's like yeah. I'm sick to death of you Cassandra and all that sort of stuff and you have the funny stuff of Cassandra as Rose kissing him and he's like oh yeah mm-hmm. but yeah. But yeah, so I think there was there wasn't really a better way for Russell T Davies to bring the audience around to David Tennant as the Doctor than like sort of putting him in an episode like that where he can really show off like yeah. what he can do because that really made it I think and that's why that putting that episode as like the first episode of series two despite the fact that Yellow yeah, like said it's a bit squeaky clean is is a good but we also get introduced to the face of Bo in that episode we and do things yeah. like that so there's a lot more to that episode than I think people think there is now i said it was squeaky clean i remember that we actually one thing we did actually criticize about this was the ending the fact that it's yeah. like all of the all of the medicine just saved all the bit all the because the concept of like just pumping the disease out of somebody and putting it into a bit of flesh that's grown for the hospital is quite dark and really mm-hmm. quite ugh. but the fact that it's like all the all the concoction of all of the medicines just cured them all it's like hmm. right Great. so so it almost seems like you could that hospital could just cure disease end off yeah basically but it's a bit it's a bit flimsy but it's an enjoyable episode all the same mm-hmm. tooth and claw first thing to talk about tooth and claw is david tennant scottish david tennant doing an english accent doing a scottish, scottish accent. accent it's absolutely brilliant it's so funny i mean and then billy piper trying to do a scottish accent uh, oh, I... Oh, I... no don't do that don't do that <laughs> yeah no i love it i think it's because it is very much you can see him sort of trying to think like how would an english person think a scottish person would sound and then yeah. he basically just ups it to like turbo scott and it's, it's um, brilliant i love it it's great like i think and obviously he looks super damn beautiful in this episode because his hair is really long and quaffed it is and, quite long isn't it yeah. it's is very long in this episode which is something that i noticed in the first scene when they're out in the fields it's like oh your hair got long yeah um, 
but no i love it like honestly it's such a good episode and then we have queen victoria with a werewolf in a spooky hoose and spooky it's hoose. it's 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 great it's a There's lot a of roof loose about this hoose it's a scare it's it's it's, it's a it's a it's one of those episodes that's not necessarily scary in its context. I think it's scary for kids because mm-hmm. there's a big werewolf running around the house. You've got the awoos against the moon and then you've got the uh, the telescope and the jewel. There's the plot, there's the there's the bit of the plot hole with the mistletoe painted walls that we got, that we, yeah. we discussed, which we won't get into detail now. But it's like, for the grand scheme of things, the production's really good. The whole opening with the, the, the monks mm-hmm. kicking the ass of all the people in that square is so over the top. It's so stupid, but it's I so love Russell it. It's so Russell T Davies. Is what it's I'm massive, like. I mean, mega it's Russell T Davies. Camp, it's, like... it's really, it's it's a, just a fun, spooky hoose episode and mm-hmm. it's great. I think it works moving on, well. Moving on to School Reunion, we get uh, the late Elizabeth Sladen returning uh-huh. as Sarah Jane Smith, who is, when you had, you know, Tom Baker was the doctor of the classic era and Sarah Jane Smith, Elizabeth Sladen was the companion. Mm-hmm. So bringing her back was a, a, a genius move. move on Having another episode Russell's based part. on Earth, you've got um, a hilf, head. a headmaster, headmaster. I'd like to a hilf, hilf, yeah. Okay, Anthony, Anthony Head. I, I feel like Sebastian from a Little Britain again. Um, oh God, because he plays the Prime Minister in Little Britain. Um, you've got him with the the Crinitanes. You've got Canine coming back. The, the teachers hey, are nine. aliens asleep in the school. It's very much an episode that plays up to kids', kids. idea of, you know, the doctor says, you know when you thought the teachers slept in the school and there's all the bats, bat mm-hmm. crillotanes asleep in Mr. Finch's office. Like, uh, Rose being a dinner lady, the crillotane oil stuff. I I, I enjoy it. It's very reunion. silly fun, isn't it? It is like, silly, but then you because... also get... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, because really when you think about it, there's no... I know that the crillotanes are, are like you know, they're the villains of the episode because yeah. they're eating the children and all that jazz. But really, when you think about it, other than eating a couple of orphaned kids, like... They try and they fail, really, yeah, don't they? Yeah, there's not really anything inherently super evil about them. Like, yes, I know they want to crack the Skasis paradigm and able to control the world and become gods. But, like, yeah. his... The way he speaks to the Doctor isn't inherently like evil. He's just kind of being like, "Wouldn't he like to?" He be sort a of God? gives him a chance. The scene in the pool, yeah, like he gives him that sort of chance to become because he he then knows after spying on them outside that calf that he knows he's a Time Lord, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You know, you guys are a legend, and blah blah blah. We can give you all the stuff you want, and whatever." Um, yeah, he, he's. A, I love Anthony Head oh, as yeah, the villain in this good. episode. It's 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 good to see. It only took a series to progress so serious mm-hmm. to pass for him to get given a, an evil role in the show and it's just a lot of fun mm-hmm. I, I love that canine blasting away yeah um Krillotane, Sarah Jane and Rose laughing about the doctor and just seeing Sarah Jane again seeing that relationship because you don't really see that very often no. even when you've got doctors coming back to mainly in the specials like the five doctors and newer doctors seeing older companions and mm-hmm. blah, blah 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 it's you don't really it doesn't lean into it into that potential dynamic as well as um, school reunion did as Mickey says the missus and the ex yeah. welcome to every, every man's worst nightmare Basically. and it's, it's really nice to see them together obviously canines destroyed the doctor rebuilds them and Sarah Can Jane gets her own spin-off yeah. <laughs> Sarah Jane gets her own spin-off which as much as I didn't watch it from what I did watch of it it was, was pretty, pretty solid good. yeah and it was and I think it was I think Elizabeth Sladen was surprised mm-hmm. when she found out that the episode did revolve around her like she wasn't just there to be a side character she was there to be 
a leading role in this episode, which is why she said yes to it. And yeah. we're all very thankful she did because her repri- her, her her time as Sarah Jane, both mm-hmm. in the classic series and as her reprisal of it, was was fantastic. And may she may she continue to sleep well. Yeah. She, that brings us up to the girl in the fireplace. Oh uh, yeah, okay. Moffat's second episode of Doctor Who. Another well, technically, episode. technically third if you count the Curse of Fatal Death. But yeah, the comic relief episode with Rowan Atkinson as the Doctor that was written. Oh, by Stephen we Moffat. don't count that. But that's it's not, brilliant. That's not canon. Dalek bumps. And... Is it canon? No. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not. So we don't anyway, count it. <laughs> girl in the fireplace was the uh, the last episode that we did in that full we here on EK. Watched, yeah. It's pretty Which, good. It's pretty good. I, I like I like, I like going in the fireplace. I think it's always been one of those episodes that I remember. Um I don't know if it's because I remember the creepy robot people or if I remember the cool concept of uh having a fireplace on a spaceship but also i got a horse <laughs> and also there's a lot of uh, a lot of sexual tension between uh sophia miles and david Tennant, who were indeed dating i think mm, after i think we discussed this didn't after we? that episode yeah. uh, they were they were together for a year or two um you're not naming lots the of horse. lots of... well i'll let you keep mickey <laughs> <laughs> what did he call the horse oh, was it brian or something I don't it's know. It's not Brian. I don't think it's Brian. Oh, what is the horse's name? Philip? Oh my God. No, it's not Philip. What did he call his horse? I can't remember. You're oh my God. I have to, I have to, I have to, was it Arthur? Oh yeah, I think it was. Sorry, the that doctor's was very horse. loud for people. I've just seen a uh, Yes, it's Arthur. Arthur. It's Arthur. Yeah, this I've just, Arthur. I've just quickly. You're not keeping the horse let you keep Mickey. Yeah, I, the thing about it's kind of similar to the nanogenes. Like the, the the clockwork robots are very evil. They're very evil in their mm. appearance, and their motives seem very evil. But in, when the TARDIS flies away at the end, obviously the Doctor wants to take uh, Renette with him because they start to sort of fall for each other a bit. Because um, the Doctor sort of not really the Doctor had noticed Rose, but then I think after the regeneration, this the David Doctor kind of moves away from her a bit. Because he's like, oh, Renette. I'm sexy because Mickey's now. there. Because Mickey's <laughs> there, and he he sort of sees him as a threat um, to some extent. Um, and he she, he finds out that she's she's passed away. Mm-hmm. The TARDIS fades away, and you see the portrait of her because the ship they were on was the SS Madame de Pompadour. So as much yeah, as the using the crew to were... fix the ship, they were kind of like. They were they just, were just trying doing to do what they were job. told to do. Yeah. And this was the information they were sort of given, and that's why they sort of like mm-hmm. they, they did they what they did. Tar- acquired a uh, target acquired onto 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 Renette. Mm-hmm. So it's quite it, it's it's sort of bittersweet for the uh for the doctor and Renette, but also kind of for the robots. I, I don't necessarily feel bad for them, but it's like they were getting it's in similar fashion to Moffat's previous entry and yeah. doctor dances the the villain is a little more they're not outright evil yeah they have there's a there's a bit more justification as to what they're doing but also uh, behind this them episode not as clever as the, uh, but this episode is the fantastic always bring a banana to a party which absolutely be which... honest is just one of the most fantastic scenes mm. the one life. thing i've still never done is bring a bring a banana to a party mainly because i don't like bananas i don't like bananas either <laughs> well we're rubbish at parties then quite we frankly but that, that is all caught up to where we have got to uh in escaping Gustavus. so next week we'll be rise of the cybermen and age of steel mm-hmm. together the cybermen's return and I'm, I am, I'm i'm excited now to get this now we've finally done this episode we're finally back on it yeah. i'm very excited to get back on to, can't guarantee on to that it will be weekly 
as we did before, but I think we're really going to try to. We're going to be releasing episodes on a Friday. We hope. Obviously, this if you are listening to this on launch day, it's Friday, May 14th. Happy birthday to my younger sister. Yep. Um, You're 20, huh? <laughs> she won't um, <laughs> Yeah, she won't listen to this. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're going to go for Fridays for this. We're going to try. And I think if there's one more thing we need to say, we've missed you. Mm. Thank you for all of your uh, all of your your comments and all messages chasing support. up where we've been. All of your continued support, and uh, we hope you have enjoyed our look back, our previously on escaping Kostobaris. Hopefully, we've uh, we've explained ourselves, and hopefully, we've caught you up as to where we've got to, where we've gotten to mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. So. Next week will be Rise of the Sidemen and Age of Steel. Which, like we said, we'll be watching. We'll be like going over both episodes in one. In one podcast. So watch both episodes if you're doing yep. a rewatch with if us. If you have managed, if you were watching along with us and you've managed to hold off continuing for six months. Yeah, we're months, really sorry. Then well done. <laughs> Hats off to you. You are in the runnings to win a lunch dinner egg t-shirt, which I have not Or an yet. imaginary cookie from Amy Cakes. Or Hashtag an imaginary cookie from Amy follow Cakes. Follow Amy Cakes Baking on Instagram. You can't just plug this, it's 2019. I can, because you plugged your Twitch. <laughs> but you can't do that because we're published by ourselves. Oh, no. Yay. Yeah. If you want to, uh, yeah, follow some lovely cakes and stuff. Follow at me Amy at. Cakes Baking yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. But also at Casterpod on on the Twitter. Speaking of at Casterpod, I should probably check about... I did ask for questions on our podcast coming back. I'm just going to oh, very yeah. quickly... Somebody did tweet us one, but that was for next week. I'm going week. to very quickly check through and see if there's anything like sort of specific that we wouldn't... That isn't necessarily relating so, to... it's all probably going to be related to Rise of Cyber and Steel, isn't uh, it? It's so... not actually. There's actually a couple. There's a few people who are just like, what do we listen to it on? We've kind of been over that and uh yeah. for those of you who've but been you asking that question on twitter back because if they don't know where to listen to it then they're not they won't hear the it. answer um there is one there's one question here i think we could very quickly answer because we have run over uh, mm-hmm. our usual time um tony asked what which which villain would you like the ninth doctor to have met which he didn't oh so which either maybe a villain from the future series that we didn't that obviously didn't exist at this point or maybe one that a classic villain that he would like to have got up against i think he'd have been fantastic against the master oh god yeah just imagine angry eccleston versus angry master mm-hmm. like it would be kind of it'd be it wouldn't really work because you know this this doctor was convinced he was the last of his kind and even after the daleks came back he was still convinced of that mm-hmm. um so i think that would have been fun I don't know. I'm trying to think and I'm like, who do I honestly think would be would I like to see the Doctor up against? Um, The Ninth Doctor, sorry. I don't know. Maybe something... uh, See, I think maybe I'd like to see him up against something that would be a little bit more out of his comfort zone that wasn't necessarily like a puzzle to solve but would just be a little bit more confusing and see how he dealt with it. Kind of like the Zygons, I think, might work quite well for that. Um, yeah. Because, obviously, we saw the way, like, Capaldi's Doctor dealt with, like, the thing, the Zygons, but I think Eccleston would be a little bit floundered by the fact that he couldn't just solve it like a puzzle. Yeah. Um, so maybe the Zygons... I'm not sure. I don't really think there's, like... I think it's more we, we get to see what how he'd be up against other people when he comes to Big Finish, which after just yeah. very quickly looking at Twitter, it's in four days. 
His first, his first uh, maybe, thing, Ravagers. Maybe the only enemy that I think I like actually would like to see Eccleston up against would be the Wars of Mars enemy people. The Flood. I think yeah. that would be quite a good one to see. Just get just get Eccleston back for a special. Just just literally do one, plonk it in the timeline before series two and just say we've got a special back for Eccleston because why not? Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. be so game for that. I mean, it's never going to happen. I mean, you never know. There might be... This might reopen the door to him to come back to TV. I don't know whether it will. But, I doubt it. You, but... It's not very often, if at all, that a Doctor comes back to Big Finish and then comes back to the show. No. Um, apart from maybe Tom Baker. Mm. But yeah, we might see. But uh, Who knows? I'm so excited for Ravagers. I'm so excited for it. I should, I'm going to literally order it after we've stopped recording. Because mm-hmm. I should. I want as much as I don't listen to CDs, I want a physical copy of Ravagers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that now. But yeah. until we see you again next week, then please do follow us on Twitter at CasterPod. Any questions regarding Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, please send them our way. Mm-hmm. Or you can tweet hashtag CasterPod. But if you're typing hashtag CasterPod, you might as well tweet it at CasterPod. In which ways we'll, in which play, which case do we'll both. probably see it do better. Both. Yeah, do both. Or you also tweet and or follow me on Twitter at PickupChangeToe. And you can follow me at Ames underscore Elizabeth on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. And also Amy Cakes Baking Amy on Instagram, Cakes if you like cake. Yeah. It's coming back soon, much like how yes. E.K. came back. Yes, my business will be back. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for bearing with us. Welcome to the new home of Escaping Custerberus. We've missed you. It's great to be back. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.